0: Hi, you're listening to the Food Adventures Podcast Season 3, and I'm your host, Beth Fuller. This is a podcast dedicated to all things food, from culinary sleuthing to recipe ideas and interviews with people who are passionate about food and delicious adventures. So join me here on Fridays to explore the world through the lens of food, and together we can share some laughs... Conversation, and I welcome you at my table always. So, if you're ready, let's jump into our next at food adventure together right now. Hey, everyone! You're listening to the Food Adventures podcast, season three. What? And I'm your host, Beth Fuller. I can't believe it's season three. If you're new, if you're new to the podcast, welcome, welcome. You have a lot of catching up to do. No, no pressure, no pressure. You've been here through all the seasons. Well, I love you and thank you for listening to me every week, chattering away. And you know what I'm gonna say, don't take notes. I've taken all of your notes. So head on over to my website for everything, ElizabethRFuller.com. And while you're there, take in that amazing food, product and lifestyle photography. It's what I do for a living. if you need photos I'm your gal hit me up if you've got questions for the podcast if you want to be on the podcast if you need culinary sleuthing of any 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 kind I'm your gal send me an email let's go on a food adventure at gmail.com and of course tag me in all of your food adventures on instagram at let's go on a food adventure all right you guys let's do this let's go on a food adventure Hello, hello, hello. How is everyone? It is really finally winter here in New England. I think I probably said this in a previous episode. And I also just feel like, where did February go? Like, oh my God, it's March. It's March. It's March. It's March. And I'm a little behind the podcast eight ball, and I apologize. Um, more episodes are coming out. I have more recorded. Don't you worry. You haven't heard the last of me yet. You won't. I'm always here. I hope everyone's doing well in their world. We're doing fine. It's been a week. It's been a week. Our sweet little baby Oliver had to have surgery um, earlier this week and on a little lump in his leg and it's the first time he's had to go through it and it's just really hard to see him so upset and uh in so much pain and none of us have slept yet it's just it's been a week but we're not here to talk about that no no we've got a really fun conversation uh so wait let's just let's get going where's that fun music there we go. All right. So today, today on the podcast, I have a fabulous woman who is here to infuse some kitchen confidence culinary expertise, all of that wonderful stuff into your world, into your kitchen. She's been an executive chef for over 20 years, living in Dallas, Texas, and uh, she's a boss. She is a fantastic chef, a wonderful human, and please, please, please welcome to the podcast, Melissa from the Food for Thought cast. Hi, Melissa. How's it going? Hi Beth,
1: how are you? I'm excellent.
0: Good, 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 good. I'm wicked good. Can't complain at all. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I totally appreciate you taking some time and giving our listeners a little culinary confidence and just some extra food knowledge from a professional chef.
1: My pleasure. Happy to be here.
0: All right. So let's give the listeners a little bit information about you. Where did you grow up? Where do you live now? All that good stuff.
1: All right. Well, I grew up in Dallas, Texas. Uh, lived in Austin for nine years. Went down there for culinary school. Um, been in this business for uh, twenty. Um, just a lifer in it. It's it's what I always wanted to do. I've never done anything else. I mean, I would dare to say I'm not that great at anything else. But I love to cook and I love to eat. And um, I currently live back in Dallas in the home that my mother grew up in. So,
0: Oh, that's so sweet. Texas girl, Texas gal, born and raised, not leaving. I absolutely love it. So 20 years in the industry, you've seen a lot in 20 years, but let's go back to the beginning. What made you want to jump in this industry to begin with? Indeed. Uh, well, uh, yes. So I've seen a lot of things,
1: the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, What made me want to start into this industry was the Food Network, of all things. Mm. And as a teenager, I grew up watching, um, you know, Martha Stewart and Bobby Flay. They were on Lifetime before the Food Network even existed. Um, Right. And so it was just, in my mind, they were superheroes, in my mind, they were superheroes. I grew up cooking with my grandmother and she taught me a lot of the things that I know today. And I like to tell people, I like to explain that, you know, culinary school is important, but it'll help you finesse the skills that maybe you already have. And I feel like somebody should, you should have a few skills going into school, right? But um, you want, cause you want to have a good baseline. You want to have a, a good jumping off point. And so watching, uh, first of all, women, on mm-hmm. TV in that role and understanding that you could get paid to do something that you love and n- knowing that you could get paid to take care of other people in that way to extend hospitality in that way. That was just an amazing turning point in my life. And as a young person, I decided this is what I want to do. This is how I can make people happy. It makes me incredibly happy and it looks like a lot of fun.
0: Mm, I love that. What are some of your like favorite childhood food memories with your grandma, like or dishes that she would make that you just Oh, is she still with us, by the way? She is not. Oh, oh, R.I.P. Grandma, nanny, Nana, Nana, what, what, what do we call her? Grandma?
1: Gammy. G-A-M-M-Y. Gammy. Gammy.
0: <laughs> oh, R.I.P. Gammy. This episode is dedicated to Gammy. So what are some of the things that you loved that Gammy would make?
1: Well, she made uh, an amazing pot roast. It was made from a cut that's called a seven- bone roast it's not really common anymore but it's from the chuck in the shoulder area she had this little general electric electric skillet it finally bit the dust sometime in my early twenties, I believe they don't really make them like that anymore. It's not quite a flat top griddle and it's not quite a slow cooker. It would just sit on the counter. I'm sure it was a huge safety and electrical hazard, but it made incredible pot roasts. And it was the most simplistic things, right? Things like pot roast and butter beans, pinto beans, and a ham, very, very Southern, but sometimes the simplest things are the best.
0: Absolutely. I actually have one of those electric, uh, countertop roasters. And I got Mm -hmm. it in an antique store. My mom got it in the antique store and we used it. We used to can peppers and tomatoes in the Mm -hmm. end of season. And so we would use it to roast massive amounts of because you can you can use it as a slow roaster or you can crank it up too but absolutely that thing is like you watch it like a hawk because it is one second away from a house fire like there is no question yeah
1: and i i believe the wire actually burnt up on it if i remember correctly so it's it's, it was like very risky uh she also did canning and preserving she made a lot of pickled beets every year and some of my fondest memories were we would sit I would sit in her lap we would watch Oprah in the afternoons and I would help her peel beets during the summer until, and your hands would turn red and everything would be stained. And we used this one huge purple, huge, like plastic Tupperware bowl. That was everything. We mixed the Thanksgiving dressing in it. We would peel the beets into it. We would smash potatoes in it. We would make checks mix in it. We used that bowl for everything and um i just remember like sitting on her lap feeling like it was the most special job in the world she had this huge braising pan she they're called a guardian service they're not very common now but they have like little knights mm. and uh it's metal pan sometimes it has a glass lid you can fit a whole ham or like a a whole turkey in there but she would use it for open water boiling because you don't necessarily need like a the pressure canner for beets um because of the acidity level but jams and jellies you can do in like open water and so she that pan had a lot of functions and that was one of them those are some of my fondest memories
0: grandparents are the best i i don't have many left either i only have one still around and it's just like they would make it work with anything like they they didn't have. I mean, all, all my grandparents came from different parts of the world to come here sure. and settle. Right. And like they just didn't have a ton of money, but they just made it work and they made such delicious food. And here we are talking about like Michelin star restaurants and throwing hundreds, if not thousands of dollars sometimes at a dinner and like they would never, they would never, but it was made with so much love and those sweet little wrinkly hands that grandparents have. And oh God, no, now you got me all choked up and missing mine too. I <laughs> love that. I love that. I'm too a child of, um, food TV. I watched a ton of PBS growing up. And so mm-hmm. we had like Julia Child, Yan Can Cook, um, Jacques Pepin. And then, right. And then it was like, like you said, the Lifetime or Travel Channel, or I don't even know. I think it was Lifetime first. And then the Food Network came out of Lifetime with Ina and all of those people. So I'm totally with you on that. Now, I think this is a very important topic. So you touched on this briefly, and I think this is where you were going with it. But like you said, to get into, to want to be in this industry for this amount of time, yes, culinary school is great. It teaches you, especially with like, as you want to move up into different types of restaurants and different types of uh, businesses in the industry, culinary school is not a must. It's not a have to, but it's definitely something that we all would really recommend um, for people to take it uh, professionally. Right. But you have to, like you said, falling in love with food and hospitality and all of that, you have to have passion for it first because if you don't have this industry will suck the life out of you. It is not, it is hard work. It is something that like your body deteriorates quickly over time from everything you have to do. Um. So yeah, between, 100%, right. And like, if you don't have passion for this, don't even bother. Don't even, don't even think about doing this because it's, it, it it's not ass. for the
1: faint of heart. Right. No. I, and I tell young people will ask me, like, should I go to coloring school? I, and I will tell them very bluntly, if you are not willing to forsake birthdays, anniversaries, holidays, Everything. nights, weekends, your sleep schedule um, and your own personal well-being for the sake of making somebody else happy with whatever goes on a plate, then that you're in the wrong business. Yeah. You're in the wrong business. Now, it doesn't have to be that toxic and it doesn't have to be that complete absence of work-life balance. And I think the industry has gotten a lot better over time about how um, people are treated. However, if you're not totally willing to go all out for all those things, you picked the wrong business.
0: Completely agree with you. (laughs) And like, can you talk a little bit about like the difference in working as, because you've worked in country clubs, you've worked in small restaurants, you've worked in larger corporate restaurants. What are some of the differences if somebody is interested in this field for each one of those? Cause they're very different. They're vastly different pros and cons. You know what I mean? Like, what would you, what would Indeed. you say about those?
1: All right. So, uh, country clubs and private business clubs, you might have a little bit more of a set schedule if you are in those, but you're also going to have more on the banquet side. So that means that as, and as much as you might have the same two days off every week, on the banquet side you're going to you might have to stay until 1 a.m. for a wedding one night but then the next week you might have a golf tournament to attend to and the next week you might have a charity event to attend to so it's a lot of different dynamics and moving parts whereas in if you're in a small restaurant you might have a more creativity b more control over your own schedule you might be able to come and go depending on what your position is you might be able to make your own schedule just a little bit and then when you get into things like corporate dining Corporate dining is uh, where you're feeding maybe like banking companies or technology companies in one central cafeteria. You're going to have a little bit less creative control because a lot of times those are run by food service contracting companies. And so if you're looking for something that's more stable schedule wise, Mm -hmm. that's great. But if you're a person that thrives on being able to be creative every single day, you're going to be miserable there. And then you hey, you have your run of the mill restaurants, like there might be some fran- franchises or uh, nationally known chains, the higher up you get in those, there's definitely money and opportunity there as far as R&D or on the corporate side of things. But it really depends on what makes you happy every single day. And it, I would say it's very important to figure that out early on.
0: Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. And I think Um, I've seen my husband work in many, and I've worked in the industry as well, like many different types, like you're saying, and region to region, even country clubs vary because up here in the Northeast, you have clubs that are social clubs. You have golf clubs, you have hunting clubs, you have, and each one of those has different peak seasons. And like, if you have a golfing club in the Northeast, we don't golf you know, 12 months sure. out of the year. So there's, the, when you're busy, you are straight out busy, but then you might have the entire month of January off. And if you're not salary, what does that mean? Right? Like, then you have to budget your money differently. And like, so I, there's pro, like you just said pros and cons to it all. And um, if someone's interested in doing this, I'm sure I'll link your information in the show notes and they can reach out to you for a little more advice. A hundred percent. Okay, so Dallas. What's the food scene like in Dallas?
1: Uh, Dallas is crazy. Dallas seems to jump on every single food trend that comes off of TikTok. Really? Like, yes. It's had its heyday with bacon and sriracha, cake balls. Now it's... um, you know the like the baked sushi, those baked sushi cupcakes that you see all over TikTok, or the butter basted steaks like in the cast iron skillets. It's just anything that you can see in a TikTok or Facebook reel. This city is full of uh, Gen Z and millennials, and it's making its way onto menus.
0: Wow. I don't even know what a fake sushi cupcake looks like. I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. I am so bad at TikTok. I am like, I mean, I'm 42. So my TikTok is like, it's all dogs and uh, some cooking stuff, but like, I, I don't, yeah. So what we, what's a sushi cupcake?
1: <laughs> so there's been a trend lately of, um, Making sushi more accessible. I think it, I think it arrived during the pandemic at some point, but Mm. basically the idea is that you, uh, create like a warm version that you could make at home. And if you maybe don't have access to like a sushi grade fish. And so the idea is that you make your basic sushi rice, right? You're like using the short grain sushi rice. Um, Equal parts rice and water. I just learned actually this year. So you can never stop learning. I've been a professional for a long time, but I'm always learning new things. I just learned this year that you can make sushi rice in the microwave, and it actually turns out really good. But, but I I digress, right? Like that's mind blowing. What? Right, right. I know it's amazing. If you have a glass dish and a lid, you can totally do it. Uh, I was pressed for time one day and figured that out. But this uh, baked sushi cupcake, you take your nori. You tuck it into a cupcake pan or well, a muffin pan rather. Uh And it kind of acts as the cupcake liner, right? You take those nori sheets and they're the untoasted kind. So you cut the strips to fit down into the muffin pan. Then you start with your cooked sushi rice. Then you mix your toppings. So it could be like crab with a K, right? Uh Surimi, uh, imitation crab, or it could be a flaked whitefish or like baked salmon, Or anything like that, you're going to mix it with yum yum sauce or like a sriracha mayo, a little furikake rice seasoning, maybe like a sweet soy, if that's your preference, and you're going to pack it onto the Mm. rice and they freeze well, they reheat well, and you can eat them hot or cold. (gasps) And if if I saw it once, I saw it probably 5,000 times on TikTok this past year.
0: Oh shit. Now it's gonna be all over my TikTok. That's I,
1: hysterical. I know they're listening.
0: <laughs> they're always listening. Oh my God. And then in the Dallas food scene, I'm sure like obviously there's Texas barbecue, Tex Mex, not yes. maybe not as much as Austin, but I'm sure there is a ton still. Is there any interesting because in Houston isn't there a huge I, I don't want to get this wrong Vietnamese population? Yes, well, there's
1: a huge, huge Asian population in Houston, and I've often told people if they want good dim sum, they need to take a road trip. They're really, um, isn't man? Somebody's gonna come at me with hate for this, but I don't think there's like good dim sum in Dallas.
0: Sure, yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, hey, there's hey, no- if there yeah.
1: is, please reach out to me. I would like to eat it. Right, um, seriously. But, but yes, the the population differences do make a huge difference. Or the pop yes like the the variance in the population and yeah. the type it totally makes a difference in the food scene and the 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 type of tex-mex and the type of barbecue that you find between austin and dallas definitely two different scenes altogether. Mm. Mm. i think the mother church of austin barbecue is um has to be the salt Lake, yeah uh, Corping springs it's really really good but we have pecan lodge here in dallas Uh that started as a backup trailer to the dallas farmers market
0: okay
1: and it is phenomenal i've waited in line around the block a few times for their beef rib it's amazing
0: okay i love that and uh is there a cultural population in dallas that influences like how vietnamese is in houston is that do you have any cultural a population in the dallas area that brings unique food to the scene or? So obviously Texas
1: has a large Hispanic population mm-hmm. and you can find evidence of that everywhere, everywhere. on every corner, yeah, I mean, but, but there are yeah. fun riffs on it around the city. There's a great taqueria in South Dallas called El Polote mm-hmm. that was all meat at one point, And the owner suffered a health crisis closed and reopened it as completely vegan. And it's some of the best it's some of the best pan dulce and tacos that I've had, and they're all soy based. And it's wow. really, really, it's really, really impressive. So as time goes on and things innovate, yeah, there's a lot of different uh, flavors and, and you know, um, twists on the classics out there. But we have, we have our fair share of taco places. Love
0: no that. Oh, who doesn't love a taco? And like you were just saying, when it comes to learning, I mean, me too, I'm always learning, always learning, always growing. How do you, is there anything right now that you're trying to master or learn a new culinary cuisine and like, how do you do it? How do you, what are your learning tools that you reach into?
1: So I like to tell people that we're surrounded by more information than ever right now, right in this moment. And there are so many, there's so many tools available one of the places that I turn quite often is YouTube It's chances are, if you have a question, somebody's answered it and they've probably filmed it. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me currently right now, I've been looking into more Korean cuisines. Mm-hmm. I would really like to get a really good recipe at home for things like bulgogi. And the cucumber salad and the sweet potato item that they make like in a a Korean mixed grill. I really want to master some of that. As much as I like eating it, I I wouldn't be able to teach somebody how to make it. It's just not in my wheelhouse, but I want it to be. So Mm. that's what I've been looking at for quite a while now.
0: Oh, I love that. Um, Do you guys have H Mart down where you are? It's a grocery store chain. Yeah, we do. Okay. Because that's a Korean grocery store. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Great. Okay. um, Yeah. And if you need any, I am obsessed with Korean food. So <laughs> if you need any resources, I am happy to, or cookbooks or anything like that. Just let me know. And I'm happy to um send them your way. Awesome. Yeah. We'll have to connect. Yeah, please. I actually made my husband go uh get Korean food with me this past weekend because I was craving it so badly. And there is nothing better than going. So like you said, can I make it at home? No. Can I attempt to absolutely, (laughs) but do I want to throw money at it and go support a local Korean restaurant that does it way better than I will ever do it? Yes. Yes. A million times. Can I
1: eat 30 pounds of it in one sitting by myself? Yes. (gasps) Yes. Heck yes, girl.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, So you recently launched a podcast, which is so fun. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and what's it about and the name and all that good stuff? The
1: podcast is called The Food for Thought Cast. It's about the conversation that happens when we're all around the table and it's for food fans, um fellow foodies, chefs, home cooks, everything alike and it's kind of a, about the idea of destroying that gatekeeping aspect and saying that the table is for all of us mm. and the wonderful things that can happen when we when we gather there and uh good food and good conversation and and the relationships that come out of that.
0: Oh, I just love that. And it's launching when?
1: February 23rd.
0: Woohoo! So when this comes out, your first episode will have dropped and people can listen to it on all of the podcasting platforms?
1: Yes, it's on all podcatchers. And we're on Facebook and Instagram as well at the Food for Thoughtcast.
0: Awesome. I will link everything in the show notes. Can you dive into some listener questions with me real quick?
1: I'd we be happy some- to.
0: Okay, we got some doozies. And uh, bear with... Because these were some of the longest written listener questions (laughs) to date. So, uh, wish me luck. All right. Stevie from Instagram writes, this spring I have to host my very first big family party. I said I would do it after having a few drinks at the last family party. And now it's about a month away and I'm kind of worried. I'm not a big cooker. Uh, I'm guessing he's not big in in the kitchen uh and could use some help and advice on what to do what to serve i mean can you just come here and do it with me or for me we eat everything it's for about 30 people help oh stevie (laughs) oh stevie wow that's a
1: conundrum
0: yeah what would you what 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 would you suggest
1: well if somebody has to host 30 people is a really good start Right. And that's, that's, no, that's quite a decent a, amount. Like that's, that's not bad. like,
0: like 10 is a good start. Yeah,
1: 30, I mean, that's right. That's not nothing. It's and it's not Sunday tea. So I'm not quite sure what the theme or the motif of the party is or what the yeah. occasion is, but I feel like a really easy place to start if you're not super confident in the kitchen is to create an entire grazing table. Mm. I think it's a really easy way that you can provide I'm not sure if it's supposed to be an entire meal, light snacks, drinks, and appetizers, Big what family it is, party, right?
0: So I'm but, guessing,
1: but Stevie, um, my advice to you would be pick a couple of hot appetizers that you're comfortable with and create a giant board. Charcuterie is all the rage right now. I yeah. mean, you can see it, it's everywhere. Boards are going crazy. Well, it's not for no reason, right? They're approachable, they're accessible, and they're a really easy place to start. And they don't have to be too fancy. And you don't have to break the bank. Mm-hmm. You can you might be able to mine a lot of the ingredients from stuff that you already have on hand. Pickles, mm-hmm. olives, artichoke hearts, perhaps uh canned beans makes a really easy dip. And that's where I would start. I would, I would try to make um as little work for yourself as you can lots of cold and room temp items, lots of what the italians would call meze, just like mm-hmm. snack stuff and uh i would go from there.
0: yeah, i love that. and you know, stevie just some other advice, lean on your family for help. like you don't need to do this all yourself. like absolutely. like make a sign up list. <laughs> yeah, you got 30 people coming over, you can ask at least 10 of them to bring something. like hey, can you be in charge of beverages? hey, can you bring a hot app? hey, can you bring you know, and then like grazing board, great idea. If you- also don't be afraid or ashamed to throw some money at this and get like, go to Whole Foods and get like some pre-made things or go to their catering department and ask, can you order a big salad? Can you Absolutely. Order- get, or, like, get to- some of those like many non-dippers that they have, some exactly. meatballs, some like you, frozen dumplings. Yeah. Like- you don't need to make all of this from scratch. Like and, I would make yeah. something, but like, I would definitely lean on ripping some bags open and dumping some shit in bowls like you know there's a,
1: there's a lot of things you can do with store-bought items to really make them magical and i don't think there's anything wrong with convenience food as, as long as you're not basing an entire meal on it but yeah yeah be sure to crowdsource your guests and make sure you don't end up with 30 people bringing napkins or ice oh my god can you right? imagine? <laughs>
0: stevie stevie you got this you got this if you need any other advice reach out to us you've got this all right carrie from instagram writes so when it comes to cooking i'm okay like i have a handful of things i make good enough but i'm always looking to take my home kitchen skills up a notch to impress my friends and family when they come over what are your top tips that would take a normal home-cooked dish to something you would have say in a nice restaurant Okay. This is a question I've received a lot
1: over uh, the course of my career so far. And I, I suspect I'll continue to receive this question because it's a great question. A lot of times people don't know where to start. My suggestions are make sure you're getting ample color on your food. Let's say you make a really great baked chicken. One thing that you can do to easily elevate that is sear it on the stovetop first that color is going to add so much flavor and it's a super easy step the next thing is fresh herbs and vegetables say that you have something in the family you've been using for a long time that's like canned or frozen a really easy way to elevate it take it to the next level impress your guests right add a little greenery figure out what kind of flavors you like keep expanding your palette Something new and exciting. That's always impressive for a guest. They might go to your house and say, like, wow, I never had a white raspberry before. It's just don't be afraid to try new things. Um, oftentimes in a restaurant, honestly, there's a lot of butter. There's yeah. a lot of butter, and that's why things taste good. We yeah. can't be afraid of butter. I'm just yep. here to preach that gospel, right? We cannot be afraid of yep. fats and butter. There's a reason they had their place.
0: Yep. Right? Yeah, I totally yeah. agree with you. Full fat dairy. Big difference, like for even from like zero percent fat Greek yogurt to five yes. percent, big difference. Yes. It's Creme something about
1: the mouth difference. feel. It's just super luxurious, and yeah. that's what you're getting at restaurants. Nobody's cooking with skim milk, no, no, nobody's doing that. No one's then, cooking with like cream. Right, like <laughs> just it makes things more unctuous, and it's that luxury, that luxurious feel. Yeah. Right? it's totally the difference. Um, a lot of restaurant dishes are they 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 have the they have the ability to be very simple it's the way that they're presented and the ingredients that they use so make sure you're using top notch ingredients make sure you're not afraid to try new flavor combinations make sure you're getting ample color on your food and just following like good overall cooking practices and if you have any questions about those i would encourage you to take a class i mean it's really just a little bit of that information and education could be the big difference between what you do now and the level that you want to be at
0: Oh, I love that. Love that. I think that's perfect. Um, All right. Jesse in Brooklyn writes, "Mm, Jesse, I need some dating and cooking advice. I have a date this weekend with someone I just met. I thought it would be fun to cook dinner together, but now I'm realizing maybe that wasn't such a good idea because I have no idea if they even like to cook. What's something good we could make together that would be fun for two people on their second date just getting to know each other? Oh, you little dollop. Oh, my. Mm-hmm.
1: well that's that's an undertaking this feels like a very heavy question for me.
0: Today. i know right like i would say somebody's love life could be hanging in the balance I know, beth i know like pizza make pizza yeah, like absolutely first find out if they're gluten-free if there's sure. no there's no allergies then like and like get right. pre-made pizza dough and like yeah. just let it proof on the countertop and then but, get like pre-made because, toppings and right
1: like- so on a date i don't know which date it is but Second it's like date second dates. You're second still day. in the getting to know you yeah. stages. You don't want to stress yourself out by having to make homemade pizza dough or you could, or you could buy like a flatbed, a flatbread base as well, mm-hmm. like French bread. And you could have them bring a couple toppings or suggest a couple toppings. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to have everything there, you could just buy a little bit of each thing. That's where a whole foods or central market, that salad bar would come in handy. So mm-hmm. instead of having to buy like an entire pound of mushrooms as an option, you could just grab a little bit. It's a little sneaky way to make it a little bit more costable effective, but, uh, yeah, I would have plenty of toppings or you could do like a pasta and salad night as well, but something that's easy from beginning to end, that's not going to stress you out so much that you're going to lose focus of, of the real goal, right. Which is to get to know each other better.
0: Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, And like, even if the starch thing is an issue then you know a stir fry that would be Mm because somebody can chop somebody can and you can already have like a pre-made sauce or make it yourself in a little mason jar kind of vibe um just keep the cocktails flowing if you guys drink and if you don't drink well (laughs) then keep those mocktails flowing and the other thing I would do is ask them ahead of time because if they know they're coming over to cook dinner and you already said like hey this is second date vibes like you want to come over and we'll make dinner together. Then I would just quickly ask, like, slide into a text and just be like, hey, you know, do, do you is there anything you don't eat or you're avoiding? Right. Because right. then you can kind of base it around that. But just have fun. And like you said, like, get some pre-made things so there's not a ton of pressure on – is this going to taste good? Holy shit. Do I need to, you don't want to be stressed,
1: it, right? You don't want to be stressed out. And honestly it could grow into something beautiful, right? Like if the relationships continues and cooking becomes something that you love doing mm-hmm. together, you want to mar it with like terrible memories of how awkward your second date was because yeah. you were trying to make char siu pork from scratch for the first time or something like that.
0: Totally. <laughs> totally. And if it does go horribly wrong, and this person and you do work out. Well, then it's a funny story you get to tell later in life. Yeah. So, at
1: least try to have fun if it's a big mishap. Yeah. And then those are the best stories.
0: Yeah. And worse <laughs> comes to worse. If the kitchen catches on fire, you can always get delivery. You live in <laughs> Brooklyn. <laughs> there's, there's so many things that can be delivered to your doorstep. Indeed. Within probably 10 minutes. I would not Indeed. worry about it. So Jesse, let us know how that goes. We are dying to hear. Um, okay. Carrie from Instagram writes, Another long question. First, this is a long question. Sorry. Great, thanks, Carrie. So <laughs> Something happened with dinner the other night and I was wondering if you can tell me where I went wrong. I was making a pasta dish and had a cream sauce. Now, full disclosure, I am not a recipe follower. And when I went to add the half and half to the sauce, it looked okay for a second. And then it looked like it started to get chunky and kind of curdled. I smelled the half and half, it wasn't bad. What happened? How can I avoid this in the future? P.S. We did eat the dish. It tasted fine. It just didn't look good at all.
1: Okay. So what happened is your sauce curdled. And there's a couple different reasons for this. Mm. Uh, first of all, half and half, it's not super reliable if you're going to be adding it cold to a hot sauce. I'm not quite sure what the recipe specified. Sometimes recipes don't have all the answers and, uh, some, some are poorly written as well. So don't get too down on yourself. It just really depends on who wrote it and what their intent was and everything else. But a good starting place is to use heavy cream instead Mm -hmm. and heat it up a little bit. Anytime you add a cold to a hot, it's going to be very volatile. And so what happened is the milk and the cream that makes half and half, that's why it's called that it's half milk and half cream they separated from each other and the milk wasn't stable enough to kind of live to to mesh with the hot sauce and so basically when you know when you were talking about like little miss muffet curds in a way right that's what Mm -hmm. happened all the curds all the curds separated um and so in the future if you want to repeat that dish i would use i would use cream instead and make sure you heat it up first and alternatively if you were trying if 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 this was like a supposed to be a lighter dish. And that's why it had half and half in it. You can absolutely turn the the original sauce off and you could stir in a little bit Greek yogurt. It has the enzymes in it and the cultures make it more stable as oh, long as you don't. Yeah. As long as you don't bring it to a boil, then it's not going to break or curdle either. But kudos to you for kind of powering through and eating it anyway. I don't know if I could have or not. <laughs>
0: No, no, we've, I've pitched many a things that, that curdled and for various reasons, like, you know, and I'm glad that you smelled the half and half, because that's another reason why it could have, but I agree with you. It's a hundred percent. The heat is I'm sure what did it. I mean,
1: you can curdle half and half by putting it in coffee. That's too hot. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, totally. It's just,
1: yeah, I can't do it.
0: (laughs) No, uh I mean either. And how would you suggest somebody heat up the half and half like nuke it in the microwave for a few seconds or heat it on the stove or do you add some of the warm I don't know if there was already a sauce in the pan you add that to it to kind of bring it up to temp what how would you do it yeah
1: so so I the way the question reads it kind of seems like there was a sauce beforehand but if it was all the ingredients right sauteed down and it was supposed Mm -hmm. to make a cream sauce then you could um heat it up on the stove top before you could get it to about one ten, kind of like the water that you would use to bloom yeast for mm-hmm. bread dough, or you could do thirty seconds at a time in the microwave until it's kind of like you know hot enough for a baby's bottle, and still that's that one hundred and one like that's like that one hundred and or one hundred to one hundred and ten degree mm-hmm. temperature, kind of like hand washing temperature that's kind of not too hot, not too cold. um and you could temper it into the sauce like that. And so tempering is when we add just a little bit of a a hot liquid to a not hot liquid to avoid curdling, right? Or Mm -hmm. in most cases to avoid scrambling egg yolks, depending on the application, but you could, you could do that. And you could also stabilize that mixture with a little bit of a cornstarch slurry. Mm. Uh, if, if need be, but that's going to bind the milk and cream molecules together. So they won't separate out into curds. Ah, yeah. So that's just equal parts. That. Yeah. Equal parts, cornstarch and water. It's kind of an easy way to, to add a little stability. It's going to add a little thickness as well. But if you use heavy cream, you won't need either one of those things because there's enough you fat won't. in there to keep it from separating. Well, yes,
0: There's enough fat in there for many things. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Okay. Sawyer from Instagram writes. I am an accountant in my mid thirties and I hate my job. Oh, Sawyer, but I love cooking since the pandemic. I have been thinking about quitting my job and trying out a career in the restaurant industry. What advice do you have for someone like me to jump into this industry? Do you think I need to go to culinary school? Am I crazy to do this?
1: I I do not think you're crazy. I've come across a lot of people in my career where this was a second career for them, or Mm -hmm. it was a midlife career change And it makes a lot of people very happy. At this point in your life, I don't think culinary school is necessary for somebody like me who attended when they were 18. um, It was a nice thing to have on my resume. It definitely got me my first couple of jobs and it was a good foundation. But if you're trying something new in life, I think you should maybe invest in some college classes. Or some online courses, I don't necessarily think you need the entire degree. And another thing is you might have an easier time getting into whatever restaurant you think you'd like to work for by starting out in the front of the house as a server or bartender and then letting them teach you expressing your desire be super transparent up front right like I want to work in the kitchen but I need to get my foot in the door. This is what I'm willing to do. And if it's somewhere that you're willing to commit to, then hopefully they're going to pour that same commitment back into you and your ongoing education.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree with you. And, you know, I'm a leaper. I, I started a new career to in my late 30s. So there is absolutely nothing wrong with leaping. Um, if you're unhappy, do something that makes you happy. Life is way, way too short. And I yes, completely it is. agree with you that, like, Find a place that you love eating at or you love or a type of restaurant you want to work for. Maybe it is a food service company because like Aramark or Sodexo or any of those companies are always looking for uh, entry-level type culinary. And if you just go in and you say, look, I'm really passionate about this, show them what you got, put everything on the table and just keep at it, keep knocking down those doors, until somebody says yes. Cause somebody will say yes. And like you said, like do a couple of online classes or go, if there's a local culinary school, see if you can jump on and take a couple of classes, like in person to hone your skills a little bit. And you can even put that on your resume. And that's a great way to network because you can ask Absolutely. them, Hey, I'm lo- I really want to do this full time. Like, can you help me?
1: Right. And a lot of schools, um, they'll have like a job placement program Mm -hmm. or they'll have advisors that can help you find something. That's how I found my first job in the business. And you know, it's, it's very valuable for you to go to a company and say, this is this, these are the sacrifices I've made and I'm coming from a stable career. I think it says a lot about a person and your, um, you know, your desire and your ambition, to do that, but then also be realistic. You're probably going to have to start a little bit lower on a totem pole. It won't, it won't be overnight. And so as long as you're realistic and and willing to kind of pay those dues, but yeah, I absolutely wouldn't saddle yourself with the, the debt of another degree, not at this point in your life. Maybe you already have an accounting degree and you're paying it off. Who knows?
0: Right. Seriously. Um. Okay. Rowan in Vermont writes, I saw you're from Texas. I recently took a trip to Austin and fell so in love with Texas style barbecue and would love some advice on how I can attempt to make this in my own home kitchen. Please keep in mind, I live in New England, but I do have a smoker.
1: Oh, excellent. Well, that's the first step right there is having a quality smoker. To me personally, it doesn't matter what kind of wood that you're smoking over for Texas style barbecue. I might get a lot of hate for that. However, there's a lot of technological advances that have happened since the big barrel smokers that people were pulling behind trucks. Right. And those have a place, but there's pellet smokers. There's the big green eggs. There's, there's all sort of options. I would get some good hickory meat maybe or hickory wood, excuse me, mm-hmm. or pecan wood. That's going to give you that classic Texas style. One of the hallmarks of Texas style barbecue is we do not sauce the meat while it's cooking. This is a dry smoke. And as long as you're getting a good quality smoke on that meat, you'll end up with a smoke ring. That's the pink border that goes around the brisket. Um, yeah. Chef's kiss. Indeed. So That's what you want. For, for brisket, for like classic Texas style brisket, I always recommend just a dry rub of salt, pepper, a little bit of sugar and garlic. Oh. And as far as sauces go, we do a little bit of ketchup and a little bit of molasses in a Texas style. That's what makes us different from say Carolina or Kansas city, but, um, the sauce is really not the important part. When you're talking about Texas style barbecue, it's the meat, the marinade, or the dry rub, and the smoke.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you think most people do dry rub over marinade anyway in Texas? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. I do a combination of both. I like to slather a, a brisket with Dijon to help mm. the spices stick, but it's not like a wet marinade Mm-mm. at all.
0: No, and you don't, you wouldn't like leave it overnight somewhere and then pull it out and then.
1: Yeah, no. And it's, it's not like a, it's not like a a wet marinade. It's more like of a, a wet spice rub. If you want to call it that, like a paste and then I'm not, I'm not mopping or basting it with anything during that cooking process at all.
0: No. And how long would you, and like, what temperature would you set a smoker at? (laughs) I usually, I like to do 200 Mm -hmm. for the first hour. Okay.
1: And you want that internal temperature of the brisket to be 210.
0: Okay. All right. I will write all of this down for you, uh, Rowan, and I will put it in the show notes. Okay. So, what are you currently making right now at home that you're absolutely in lump with?
1: Uh, just last night, I tried out a new recipe for a flourless chocolate tort where you take 400 grams of the chocolate of your choice, but it has to be real chocolate, not white mm-hmm. chocolate. So, milk, bittersweet, dark, and you combine it with, of all things, one and a half pounds of steamed and pureed butternut squash. I currently, right. That's it. Two ingredients. What? I added, right. I saw it's one of those TikTok things I saw. And I always like to try them out to see if they're legit or not. Like if, is this an actual meat recipe or a hack that would be worth No sugar.
0: Right. No sugar. Whatever in the chocolate, depending on what type right. of chocolate you use. And yep. No leavener, no nothing, <laughs> no leavener or nothing. So
1: it goes into a greased, uh, nine inch cake round with a parchment, a piece of parchment uh-huh. in the bottom. And I made it last night and it's set up right now. It's in my refrigerator. I'm just going to dust it with cocoa powder on top. This thing blew my mind. It's it has a mousse consistency, but it makes me feel totally good about eating a chocolate tort. Right. Uh, right. Right exactly exactly it's just it was a jaw-dropping thing I saw and I was like surely this can't be real and I was really expecting it to be like pudding afterward but yeah it's it's set you know it's kind of like the old school when people were on this pumpkin kick where they could make brown brownie and cake mix more healthy they use like pumpkin puree so it's kind of along along the lines of that I think next time I might add like a little bit of butter to help it firm up but that's, that's a new oh, thing. I'm dying to hear <laughs> this taste. You have to, you got to fill thing. me in. Yeah, absolutely. Holy um, shit. I'll, I'll email you some pictures Please. after it's done. And then, um, let's see last night I made shepherd's pie, but I stuffed it back into the potatoes
0: Ooh. as like a twice
1: baked potato. So I don't cook very fancy when I'm at home. It's just yeah. really, I want to feed me and get the job done. Yeah. Um, I've been on a soup kick. We've had cold weather. I, I know it's not, Cold for Austin, it's Boston, Boston cold. That, oh, that's so
0: cute! Oh, isn't, that,
1: oh. isn't that cute? Well, you know, we did have like a historic ice storm that I shut us down for like three days. I saw, um, so I've been making caldo de res that's a Mexican style beef soup with cabbage, corn, mm. squash, and potatoes. I've so been yummy. living off of that out of the freezer for quite a while with uh skillet cornbread. Um, yeah. Lately. And then this week I've got a couple of new batches of, I've been experimenting with granola, but with no added sweetener. So okay. I've just been doing uh, rehydrated dates pureed. So this is a no oil, no sugar granola. Uh, I'm not a health nut, but I do like to enjoy massive quantities of food. So yeah. the better, the better I can make it for me and still really tasty. Um, the better it is because
0: I can eat more of it. You yeah. Know. Same way. Love that. Let me know how the granola recipe comes out. And absolutely. If you um have any recipes you want to share with the listeners, <clears throat> pass them along and I'll put them in the show notes. For sure. Okay. So how can people find you? How can they get a hold of you? <laughs>
1: Excellent. So I'm on Facebook and Instagram at the Food for Thought Cast. Uh the website is foodforthoughtcast.com. If anybody has any questions, they can reach me at CMC at gmail.com. The CMC is call me chef. That's the byline of the podcast. I like to tell people for a long time in this industry, I've been called ma'am and it makes me feel old, but I know it's people in the South trying to be respectful. So that's a running joke I've had with several staffs over the years is, Hey, call me chef. So it's the food for thought cast. Call me chef. You can find that Apple, Spotify, and Google.
0: Awesome. Okay. Last question. Last question. Last question. If you had all the money in the world, and you could go anywhere. Where are you going and what are you eating?
1: I'm going to Boston and I'm eating the tasting menu at number nine park. No oh my joke. God.
0: I'll go with you. <laughs> no, we can go to, we can go to number nine park, but we're also going to Benton. Okay. Yes. Other restaurant. <laughs> um, I've done both and I've had the tasting menu at both. He's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's... Oh, there's so many... Oh my God, you're coming to Boston, girl. I she's, got you. She's one of my culinary
1: sheroes. She really is.
0: Yeah, she's amazing. She's absolutely amazing. We The first time we did the tasting menu at Menton, we um, he, she was very kind. She happened to be there that night. And it was like a Monday night kind of vibe. It was dead... Mm. In, not dead in there, but it was much quieter than... In December, it was cool. Sure. And she sat down with us and, and enjoyed... What at least two courses with us, some wine, and then gave us a full tour of the kitchen. Oh, I love that afterwards. Like it I was unreal. It was <laughs> unreal. Like I was like, and it was my birthday, and I was like, This is the greatest birthday for, like present ever. Like, I get to sit with Barbara Lynch. But um, I did not get drunk enough to call her Babs, but I wanted to. Oh my goodness, <laughs> that would have been bad. That would have been bad. She's amazing. Yes, come to Boston. I will take care of you, and we'll go. There's so many places we go. Oh so yes. many, so many, so places. many, so many, you've no, idea. oh, you've no idea. Well, um, I'll make a list now. That Melissa. city
1: started my love affair with fine dining. Really? So yeah, I visited when I was, uh, 14, we had the seven course tasting there, truffles. She signed a menu. She brought yeah. it. To- she has no idea, no idea. I just didn't even know somebody could do that. A woman could be that. Yeah. And it, it just inspired me and I love it. And I've eaten there a couple of times since and man, just phenomenal.
0: Oh, oh, that makes me so happy. All (laughs) right. Well, next time you're coming to town, let me know and we'll, we'll go. We're doing it. We're doing it. John, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This was such a treat.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: All right. I'll see you soon. Bye. All right. Thanks. Bye. Melissa, thank you so much for coming on the podcast this week and for taking time to answer all of our amazing listener questions. I will link all of Melissa's information, including her new podcast, in the show notes. So go to my website for everything, ElizabethRFuller.com. Of course, if you have more questions for the podcast, need some culinary sleuthing, I'm here for you. Send me an email, let's go on a food adventure at gmail.com, and tag me in all of your food adventures on Instagram, at let's go on a food adventure. All right, you guys. This has been awesome. I adore you. So lead with kindness, make some yummy food together this weekend, and I'll see you next Friday. Bye.